This is Jules, your host of the All Things Iceland podcast, where I give you the inside scoop on Icelandic nature, culture, history, and language through my experience as an expat living in the country since 2016. And this episode of five rainy day activities that you could do in Reykjavik is one that's really helpful for a lot of people because it rains a lot in Iceland. And actually, for my random fact of the episode, I'm going to share some stats around raining in Iceland. Some areas of the country are way more rainy than others, but it rains a decent amount. And so if you find yourself in Reykjavik and you have to be inside, I thought it would be really awesome to give you five fun and interactive for all ages type of attractions. And for this particular episode, I partnered with Fly Over Iceland, which they are of course on the list, but before ever being involved with them for this episode, I paid my own money <laughs> to go and have this experience and I was blown away. Like my mother in particular had the best time. Like I had a great time, but what made the time even better for me was my mother's genuine reaction. It was like she was one of the kids and actually I've gone with my niece and nephews who had a similar reaction of like yelling with glee and just enjoying it so much like I can't even tell you how happy I was to know that we would be collaborating because as I've mentioned in previous episodes I do not like to do sponsored content unless I've experienced it and I can vouch for it being something worthwhile doing for me I think that's just the right thing to do Uh, I can't talk about things I don't know And so it was just an easy yes for me when this opportunity came up and I was just like, yay, you know, (laughs) we get to talk about and go back to fly over Iceland. So cool. Along with this podcast episode, there's a video that goes along with it. So I will do my best, of course, to describe all of these attractions in the audio format. But if you do want to actually see what I'm describing or at least get a better like glimpse into it. In the show notes of this episode, there will be a video embedded on my website. So whatever platform you're on, I'm pretty sure that they just have like the text. I don't know if they ever show like the actual video if it's embedded, but I'll make sure to have in the text the link for the video. And then I also have it embedded if you go to allthingsiceland.com and check out this specific episode. But I'm just going to kind of go into what the five things are. All of them are within walking distance from each other. I purposely did that. And so it's in the Grandi area because let's just say it is a rainy day, right? And you have to get to different places if you aren't driving or if you just want to walk, like you can easily do that. And I think that was pretty nice. And also Grandi has changed a lot. It's in a part of Reykjavik that was more industrial and now it's kind of like been revived. And so there's a lot going on there that I think is worthwhile checking out. This is not all of the possible interactive things that you can do in Reykjavik. I definitely have more episodes that will be coming up talking about things to do in Reykjavik because there are a lot. This little city packs in a ton, so I think that's really fun as well. But this will at least give you some great ideas. So where I start off first with Flyover Iceland, what is fascinating to me is that they've weaved together a great experience that's in three parts. And so when I talk about, you know, Icelandic nature, history, culture, and language, they've actually wrapped that all in together into the experience because I think they just didn't want it to be that you get this visual or physical feeling of flying over Iceland, but really that you've been transported into 
kind of the history part and seeing like an, a Viking longhouse. So that's like the first part of it. It's when you lining up, they have you where you can take like pictures in front of a green screen. So later on when you're done with the ride, you can see like, you know, the landscape behind you. But the first part really that immerses you is you walk into this dark room and there is a Viking longhouse. You're inside of it. And a man comes in who is an Icelandic storyteller that kind of gives you an idea of Vikings and settlers. And after that, you then go into the well of time. And in the well of time is a troll that uses their magical powers to showcase to you about Iceland. So the people, animals, more of the history, you're getting a really visual sense. And the I'm not sure exactly what it is that's moving, but it's this really cool thing that's being projected on that is moving and underneath it looks like it could be something that's like, you know, water or where there's lava or footsteps or whatever else. And it's just all like put together, I think, really well with different projectors in music and things like that in order for you to feel like, wow, okay, that was informative and fun and fascinating. And after that, last but not least, you get to the ride itself. So like I said, this is a physical ride. If you've been to a theme park and you get strapped into a ride, it's similar to that. Not those really intense ones where they have like anything pulled over your head, but it's rather just a little belt that goes over your waist. And children that are taller than 102 centimeters can ride in 102 centimeters with shoes on. And I know this to be a fact because when I went with my niece and, and nephews and as well as their mom, my sister-in-law, my nephew, who's tiny, so adorable. And actually you see him in the video. He's 104 centimeters with shoes on. So he just made it. And so it's it's definitely suitable for a kid who is maybe around average size four-year-old, I think. And because they're, they're five, but he's a small five. And I say they, meaning he's part of a, a twin set, but he is the smaller of the two. So his sister is much taller. And I just was so happy that it worked out for him <laughs> that he could go because he thoroughly enjoyed it. So you get strapped in and basically like a ride, you know, you're pushed out of the platform and you can't have anything on the floor just because you're not going to be like the floor underneath you. But it isn't scary. That's the fun part is that, you know, for me, I'm not afraid of heights, but for these children, like this wasn't something they felt like that they were lives were in danger of anything. They were just really enjoying that they had this, what felt like all around them, landscapes of Icelandic glaciers flying over them, flying up Icelandic glaciers, rivers, mountains. You see, even seeing like a mountain where a guy or a woman, I'm not sure what it is, summiting this super high peak. And you wouldn't see that anywhere else unless you were, you know, watching uh, on a YouTube video or if you were in the airplane. And they do a great job of making it feel like you're seeing it as if you're in the airplane where the shots are being taken. I think even this was, would have been too high for a individual using the drone was like not too far down from the person who was climbing up because it's a very high peak. And it's just so much fun. You even like are flying over a river where people are rafting or like horses running or jeeps out in the highlands. So much fun. And then... On top of just the flying part, you have wind coming at you and mist <laughs> that makes it feel like you're getting wet when you're by like a waterfall or something. And I just, 
I loved it so much. It brought back the memory. This I've only been there twice. And the second time brought back that memory of being like, yeah, now I remember why I was so happy afterwards and so excited. And also hearing the kids, like I told you, like hearing my mother and then hearing the kids was just, it made my heart sing. It was so beautiful that they were so happy and so excited and just enjoyed this experience of flying. So I highly, highly, highly recommend going there if you are planning to spend any time in Reykjavik. And of course, you can find a link to Fly Over Iceland in the show notes of this episode. Number two on my list of interactive and fun for all ages places is Wales of Iceland. And this is a unique place because there are a lot of people who want to come to Iceland and go whale watching. And while I think that is a really cool experience and it's amazing to see whales out in the wild just doing their thing, when they're in the water, you cannot see them in terms of their full size just because none of us are like scuba diving next to them or snorkeling or something. And I would not recommend that. <laughs> so if you're going to be on a boat, stay there unless you're some kind of professional. But what makes Whales of Iceland interesting to me is that they have 23 life-sized and handmade replicas of whales. So they're like hand-painted and they're actually kind of squishy <laughs> so you can touch them which I like. So it is interactive in that way. And then they also have different stations where you can like press, you know, on the screen and find out about like the whale's digestive system or how their lungs work and so on and so forth. It really depends, of course, on which whale you're talking about. But I thought that was pretty fascinating. And then there's a room where you can sit. It's like a theater and you can watch like whales swimming and they even have like little whale pillow pillows for people who want to like lay down and watch. And it's usually like the kids area. Uh, as well as like the plastic in the ocean and, and things like that. Just, because the whole point of Whales of Iceland is to bring awareness to the fact that whales are creatures that are amazing and that we should be protecting them. And that's what I really enjoyed is that let's give you the experience of, you know, feeling like you're seeing a whale, but also being educated about how important these animals are. And there's even like a little playground area that says that it's for adults too. So, you know, I played <laughs> just a little bit. Like, thankfully, I was there when like no one else was there. So I wasn't keeping any children from enjoying the play area. But it was fun to kind of climb on the like what would be if you had, you know, a jungle gym or something. But it's in the shape of a whale, killer whales in particular, I think. So, yeah. And I just have always enjoyed going to this place. I've been there a few times. I've even been to a party that was in there that I thought was really fun. And that I just, you know, one day I don't, I don't have that many people to invite to a party, but if I ever do have like, you know, over a hundred people, I would love it to be Wales of Iceland. Okay. Next is number three, which is Sjómenjasapnith. And that is the Maritime Museum in Reykjavik. And this museum is important relating to Icelandic history because Icelanders have relied on fishing since settlement times, and it's a big part of why they ended up having prosperity in the country and being able to evolve from living in turf houses and in conditions where they were really poor. And this museum has two different exhibits. So one is a permanent exhibit, which is called Fish and Folk. And I'm almost always saying folk, like I'm almost like about to say that in the Icelandic way, which is just so funny how this slips out now. And this exhibit essentially goes into how fishing formed the nation 
and the different aspects of the evolution of it. So, you know, from using rowboats back in the day to catch fish to having these really high tech boats that make a difference in terms of efficiency, even though being a sailor is still quite dangerous. And then the other exhibit is about a Dutch merchant ship that wrecked in Iceland and specifically Flate. I believe it was in the 1700s. And it's a temporary exhibit, so you can go in. It's much smaller than Fish and Volk, but it's still interesting for sure. And it's like looking at like the dishes that had been, you know, discovered from actually going and finding the wreckage and, you know, just the different elements of life back then for these individuals on this ship. And it's unfortunate that it did wreck. And lastly, as part of this museum is Odin. So Odin is an old Coast Guard ship from Iceland that took part in the Cod Wars. I've talked about the Cod Wars before on the podcast, and I will link to it in the show notes if you have not had a chance to listen to it. It's amazing. It's basically Iceland and the United Kingdom at war. <laughs> and I say at war, but really it's in conflict regarding fishing and fishing limits. So there's areas in the ocean that countries claim as their own. And so I'm not going to go into the whole thing about the Cod Wars because I made a whole episode about it, like I mentioned. But it's just fascinating that there was this whole conflict of like the UK in Icelandic waters, you know, and I'm saying this like air quotes as I'm talking because it's like, can you own the ocean, you know, but this is a part of this, you know, world diplomacy and boundaries and things like that, borders. So that is something that got pretty heated, we'll just say, and was one that thankfully Iceland came out in a positive way because it could have turned really ugly, I think. So yeah, you can go on that ship, that Coast Guard ship and tour around that at the museum. Number four is Aurora Reykjavik, which is the Northern Lights Center in Grante. And this is a fascinating place to me for a couple of reasons. And the number one being that I'm always telling people that you can't see the Northern Lights in summer, which it's true. If you're outside, you cannot see it. But if you're inside the Northern Lights Center, you can see them because they have tons of footage of the Northern Lights They also have how it works. So when you first walk in, they're basically showcasing the different folklore of the Northern Lights in different cultures. I thought was interesting. And of course, they have ice in there. And then as you go through, they have a whole area of the science behind Northern Lights. And this is something that confuses a lot of people. And I don't think I've ever done an episode on it. So I will do that for sure, because I do think it's important just for people to understand that It's not just like magic, even though we describe it. And I'm including myself when I say we, because I do often like, oh, the majestic, magical Northern Lights. It's like, no, there's actually like science (laughs) reasoning behind why it happens. And it doesn't have to be this baffling thing. I, I don't think the science part takes away from it being amazing. It's still really interesting. And that there's also a cycle of when the Northern Lights are more active. And apparently we're supposed to be going into a more active, potential active time. So I'm really excited about that. And then as you go through, there's a a theater, which is very, very relaxing. And I will give you a tip and you can't tell anybody, okay? (laughs) This is kind of funny that if you ever need to like waste some time and you go to the Northern Lights, you know, center, 
you can sit in that theater and chill out and, you know, watch Northern Lights for as long as you want. Like they're, they're pretty chill about it. I'm not saying that everybody should do this, but it is one of those things where it's like, say you had a few hours before you're supposed to have a dinner reservation and you weren't sure what to do and you wanted to go check this place out. You could check it out, sit there, relax, you know, watch Northern Lights. Why not? And then after you leave the theater, there's an area where they talk about how to take photos of the Northern Lights, how to capture them. And that's another really important thing that most people miss is they want, they see them with their eyes, but the way you see it with your eye and the way the camera picks up is different. It's not that someone's always altering it. It's just that the camera has the ability with certain settings to pick up the colors in a way that the human eye cannot actually see. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a doctored photo just for it to look different when you take an actual, you know, image of it with a device. And in the same area where you learn how to take photos of the Northern Lights, you can actually get a photo or like a GIF, GIF, I don't know, I think it's GIF or GIF. I'm always doing this. I'm, I'm always second guessing how to say this word. So, you know. Please be kind. I'm not really remembering. But anyway, you could take one of those and or just a regular photo and you can have it emailed to yourself. So if you've been having a hard time taking photos or a video of the Northern Lights, you can get it at that center, which is nice. And lastly, you can put on virtual reality goggles and look around, you know, the area you're standing in and see the Northern Lights up in the sky. So pretty cool. And I thoroughly enjoy kind of those experiences because I like how they've kind of wrapped a lot of different things to do all into one center. The last on this list is just a few steps away from the Northern Light Center. And you can do these different things if you choose to in any order that you like. This is not like a, you must go one, two, three, four, five. It's, these are just some suggestions of places to go that I know of as being really fun. And I think that most people will enjoy. And the last one has to do with ice cream. <laughs> so it's Valte's Ice Cream Shop, which has been there, I believe, since 2013. And they have versions of ice cream for plant-based people. And of course, then they also have like milk variety. And what's nice is that it's just conveniently located. The staff is always really nice. They have many different flavors. You might see one flavor that is gray. And you're just looking like, who would ever make gray ice cream, right? Icelanders love it because it's a licorice flavor. It's it's Turkish pepper in particular. And yeah, my husband, for instance, Gunnar, if we go to Valtes, he wants that. <laughs> and I'm just like, great ice cream. And they even have it like in a picture. And you're just like, it's so bizarre because that's not what you think of. It's always thinking of like more vibrant colors, but it's a very popular ice cream flavor in Iceland. So I, if I were you and you're not used to eating any type of licorice, because this is very strong. I recommend just getting a taste if you want to. It does have milk in it, so it's not for those who can't have milk. But yeah, just a taste if you want to have something that many Icelanders really like. And also, this is a spot where many Icelanders go to because it's one of their faves to go to this. And there are also other ice cream shops like East Budens, but about this is just right there. So very conveniently located. So now that I've shared with you some awesome interactive things you can do on a rainy day or if you just have time in Reykjavik. I'm going to move on to the word of the episode, which is actually rain. And that word is riknink. 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 And 
you might hear that and go like, what did you just say? <laughs> so the way it's spelled is R-I-G-N-I-N-G. So this is an interesting one because the R at the beginning, it's rolling a bit. So Rickning, Rickning. And I seen that oh, I, I swapped actually the worthy episode in a random fact episode, but that's okay. Such is life. Sometimes, you know, you get a little out of order when you're <laughs> having a good time. So the random fact of the episode though, and just according to the website, ReykjavikClimateTemps.com is that on average, there are 213 days per year with more than 0.1 millimeters or 0.004 inches of rainfall. This is in Reykjavik, of course, or 17.8 days with a quantity of rain, sleet, snow, or whatever, you know, type of moisture, <laughs> precipitation falling from the sky per month. So, yeah. And so it might not be that it's downpouring. I mean, I feel like in Iceland, it's usually that it will rain and then maybe we'll stop and then we'll rain and stop all like that. But pretty consistently, we have a decent amount of rain. A lot of people... I like to compare it to Seattle. I've never been to Seattle, but I believe them. <laughs> I believe them in terms of the amount of rain. So I hope you enjoyed learning about these unique places. I definitely plan, like I mentioned, to showcase more things to do in Reykjavik for people who are coming. And whether it's your first time or you've been here multiple times, there's always new things that are popping up. And thanks again to Flyover Iceland for sponsoring this episode like I mentioned, a link to them is in the show notes. Can't recommend them enough because it really is that fun. Takatier, Kailagar, Fidit, Ah, Flusta, Og, Shams, Filfega.